Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management sponsors, or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Vicki McKenna. I was kind of caught off guard that that mic went live. I hope I didn't say anything weird before the mic went live. Did I? Because I didn't have my headphones on. Did I say anything? Did I do anything weird? did nothing about the popcorn we were talking about. Okay, good, 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 good. No, I was talking about being hungry, already starting the show, being hungry. And and I said, I've got to stop indulging my snack attacks because I'm middle age. It's all going to get packed right onto the old hip, you know, hip and trunk section, you know. But I'm, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm starving. Not, I'm not starving. Not like you know, existential death on the horizon, starving or anything like not that. Not like a cat looking into a partially empty food dish. I, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of starving. Like, like my dogs behave like they're snar- starving when I, when I stand by the treat dish. Yeah. I have this. I, I thought I was being clever with the treats, and I put them in a in a um, what do you call those things? A baker. Ah, what do you call these things? A ceramic baker. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a double, there's a dish, and then there's a lid on it. And you bake things in these things, and they're ceramic. What the hell do you call those? I have no idea. I think they're called bakers. <laughs> Obviously, not the most domesticated female, me. Um, but it's shaped like a chicken. It's very cute, you know. So I put. Um, You're I put in a Dutch oven. Not a not a Dutch oven, no. But it's similar to that. Um, but anyway, I put the dog treats in this ceramic baker, and it's shaped like a chicken. And the top part of it is the chicken part, and the bottom part of it looks like a nest. And so I was, thought I was being very clever. And they just go stand and stare at that thing, and act. And I mean, Cedric will drool. He'll actually drool, like he hasn't eaten in a week. And unless I give him the jerky treats and that chicken, he's not going to, he's like, he's going to just wither away and die. That's kind of how that I'm. stares at a little hole like two inches deep and thinks she's going to starve. Right. Okay. So this is, I guess, I guess that was, that's the sort of level of starving I'm, I'm at. Just sort of, I'm snacky. I'm very, very, very snacky right now. Dave's like, I've got popcorn. Don't. I want. I don't want. I don't want it. I don't want the candy bars. I know I can go get right now. I don't want the raisin cookies in the kitchen right now. I just yeah. Anyway, here's what's coming up in the program. I said that before. Are there raisin cookies in the kitchen right now? Yeah. Raisin oatmeal cookies. Yum. Uh, here's what's coming up on the program. As I opened up all of the news today, it was just the end is nigh. It seemed like everything I was clicking on was 
a, a, a flashing sign telling me the end is upon us, that the republic is not going to survive. So we will get to some of those end is nigh stories on the program today. We're going to check in with David Clark on the show. Mark Morano joins me from Climate Depot. Justin Danhoff from um, the Free Enterprise Project. Uh, who is doing shareholder activism. He's trying to, as you know, Netflix and Hulu and these kinds of companies try to make decisions on behalf of all of their shareholders on progressive politics. He challenges them at the shareholder level. So we'll talk with him. Brian Schimming will slide in on the program today. Um, We'll talk about Mandela Barnes, who, if no one else is following, and in fact, I'm going to do it anyway. Whether anybody files an ethics complaint against their lieutenant governor, I will do it anyway. Anyway, all of that is ahead on the program today. David Clark joins me next. Welcome back to the program. You know, normally when I have... Sheriff David Clark on the program, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about law enforcement stuff, or maybe we're just talking about, um, you know, pure sort of, uh, you know, battle politics. But it is in, it's in your wheelhouse, and maybe people don't realize this, to discuss, um, w- I think, where we need to really be fighting, and that is in the realm of education, David. And, and that is your wheelhouse, because... When you talk about law enforcement, when you talk about the decay of American cities, particularly um, urban areas, uh, you know, urban decay in American cities, where does it all stem from? It all stems from a complete and utter destroyed educational system that is not getting any better. And we don't have people connecting the dots on this. Yeah, I mean, you know, you nailed it right there. There is a nexus between bad education, no education, and crime. Um, young people who are not educated are more likely to lead lives uh, filled with crime, gang involvement, drug use, uh, so on and so forth, other pathologies, urban pathologies. And so that's why even, you know, with my law enforcement career, I always talked about the importance of fixing uh, public K-12 public education but I didn't just talk about it. I visited schools every chance I got. I got invited to a lot of public schools, believe it or not, uh, to talk to kids, to uh, read to kids during uh, Read Across America Week. And you know what the, the principals told me is that um, I was one of the few public officials or elected officials that would even uh, accept their invitation. You know, so that means I had to go to more schools because. You know, I thought, well, hey, if the mayor does it, if Common Council, County Board, and all these people do it, then we only have to hit a, each have to hit a couple schools. But I didn't mind that because I knew how important it was. Um, people also know that, that education is a traditional vehicle to upward mobility in the United States. It always has been, it always will be. But like you said, um, the, the crap uh, curriculum that they're putting forth now, replacing teaching kids how to read and write at grade level, replacing that with some inane uh, social justice curriculum has been very destructive to kids and very destructive to um, urban kids, black kids, who need it the most. You're not going to be able to compete in this knowledge-based economy if you can't read and write at grade level, add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And we're seeing that in uh, the test scores that are put forth. And, uh, you know, you've talked about this, you and I. There are several schools in Milwaukee 
city of Milwaukee, Milwaukee Public Schools, that have zero percent efficiency by the students. That means no kids are reading and writing at grade level. Why would we have a school open like that? Why wouldn't anybody be up in arms with the city, with um, the city hall? They they approved the budget. Uh, with the mayor, but again, they just whistle past the graveyard. Yeah, they do. And I don't think it's a bug. I don't think bad performance is a bug. I think it's a feature. I do. I don't think that it's not that it hasn't occurred to anybody that black kids in Milwaukee and some of the Milwaukee schools, 0% of them are reading and writing at grade level, or here in Madison, 8 to 12%. Um, I don't think that hasn't uh, occurred to anyone. But what, what are the answers? So what are, when you see, because this is why I think it's, it's a feature. If you see these results, and they've been going on for years now in Wisconsin, if you see the results that these kids cannot do anything, they can't fill out a job application, and your answer is to shut down discipline. So the one thing that might be able to provide structure in a child's life from a, a, a bad background, from a, a challenge background, let's say, we can't call it bad, right, but challenge background, um, structure, discipline, order, uh, you know, expecting someone to show up on them, just sort of basic things. Even if you can't do the the work in school, you're expected to be there. You're expected to listen to your teacher. You're expected to, uh, you know, show up on time, turn in your work, even if you don't know what you're doing. Just that amount of structure there, no doubt has been the difference between a child going to jail when he's, you know, graduated and a child maybe getting a job and maybe trying to figure out something later on in life. But that is has been removed now from the schools. So I don't think anyone cares that education isn't educating. I think that just makes it easier to promote social justice, which ultimately is the goal. And I think that's why we have so many young people, including not just disadvantaged, you know, poor black kids, but white kids as well, who don't understand anything about what this nation is about, how our economy works, what our founders intended, what the rule of law means, that they're willing to burn it all down. How to read the job application. I mean, you know, this thing is uh, the elephant in the room, and it's been that way for a long time, and it's mainly in our urban centers, but even some of the surrounding uh, area schools are not doing that well, especially when it comes to international test scores, when you look and see how America performs. And we're like 17th in science, you know, in the entire world. And you look at some of the nations that are ahead of us, and you got to shake your head because they're not spending as much uh, per pupil as the United States is, there is no connection between how much they're spending per pupil and achievement anyway. But you're right that nobody cares. And I say nobody cares because their actions don't demonstrate it. But the one thing that I think that we need to do, and here's where I think conservatives, GOP, and the state houses come into play here. And one of the things I've been disappointed uh, with the Republicans about in, in Wisconsin is how they continue to fund this uh, this melees, they continue to fund this dysfunctional, these dysfunctional schools, these uh, schools that don't work, that are not uh, accomplishing their their mission, which is to educate kids. So the one thing I think that we need to start to work on, and it's going to take multiple interventions, so, but I said the one thing, and how I phrase it is important, because of things like charter and choice, that has to be part of the equation, but I think the bigger... A uh, chunk of this elephant, if we want to eat it one spoonful at a time, we have to get the government out of running schools. The government should fund the schools. The government should put forth education spending, but they shouldn't be running schools. So once we can get government out of the business, this monopolistic control that they have, this stranglehold, 
uh, on K-12 uh, public education. But once we get get them out of the business, and that can happen at the state house uh, of, of running schools, the better off we're going to be. The government doesn't do anything well. No, it doesn't. So, you know, you sort of think about it sounds like what you're saying is is what we've done in some cases in some states and here in Wisconsin. We've got a couple of examples of this of hiring private contractors to run the prison system. We've got private contractors that I know that private contractors provided medical, uh, you know, provide medical at uh, county jails, things like this. Is that what you're suggesting is to hire private contractors to run the schools? Right. There's still a role for government uh, besides the funding. Uh, but then they have to be the watchdog, and they're the ones that have to make sure that these schools are accomplishing their mission for the money they're given. And, and actually, I think that awards for, and I don't mean uh, prize awards, but I'm talking about grants and, and, and additional money, spending and funding, should be tied to accomplishment. In other words, let's say uh, Entity A is running these 10 schools. Okay, at the end of the school year, they have to be able to demonstrate, and not this BS where they just come up and say, oh, everything's well, we're doing great, the kids are doing fine. No, you test the kids. And if the kids are not meeting some uh, some benchmark, then you go, you know what, we're going to put your 10 schools on probation. We're going to give you another year or another year or two to start to show accomplishment, and if not, you're out of business. That kind of competition is what would improve uh, education. But as long as we have this, uh, government control this teacher-centric uh, K-12 public school system that, that spends most of the money that they get. Most of the money goes to salary and benefits, doesn't end up in the classroom. We're going to continue to get this. You know, I, uh, I think you're right. And I, so you, you, I mean, if, if you have a, a charter school or a choice school that fails, what happens? They can't operate any longer. They get shut exactly. down. They get shut down. There is zero accountability. Here's something else in it, because, again, you're talking about eating the elephant one, you know, one spoonful at a time, that we have to actually go back or, or look at um, a, a curriculum that is about reading, that is about writing, that is about basic mathematics, that is about teaching science, that doesn't have these layers of politics on it. Um, and so this idea of standardizing curriculum, um, I think, is something that's got to go out the window as well to empower these schools to choose you know, to, what, what works best for them. Is it international baccalaureate? Is it a different type of direct instruction? You know, what works for the Noble Network? You know, maybe that works for some schools in Madison, whatever works for, you know, St. Marcus in Milwaukee. Maybe that works for some schools in Racine. But we are essentially in Wisconsin K-12 telling everybody they got to do the same thing. And so the first half of this of the second um, of the spring semester is spent prepping kids for the test they're supposed to take that they're going to fail anyway. Well, you know, you look at this, um, the way this whole thing is set up. Uh, you know, they don't they don't allow uh, teachers who may be creative. They don't allow them to innovate. They'll find innovative ways to keep kids interested, to uh, motivate kids. And I realize that, especially when you're talking about Milwaukee Public Schools and probably Madison as well, some of the urban centers where you've seen, uh, the kids come to school not in a state of readiness to learn. I understand that. These kids come with emotional baggage. They come with a lot of deficiencies. But that doesn't mean that we should continue to do this social promotion. In other words, okay, these kids come in, you're not getting parental involvement. Why not let the teachers come up with ways, creative ways to get parental involvement and uh, have accountability for the parents? The kid comes to school and then hasn't done his homework. Nothing happens. Okay, nobody does anything. And then at the end of the school year, they just move them on 
to the next grade level, even though they can't read and write at the grade level that they were just in, that's that social promotion. That is a policy has to end. There's a lot of things, Rick, a lot of things that can be done without massive changes in laws, without all this other nonsense going on um, to, to, to um, you know, force, really, I'm going I'm to use this word, to force teachers, force teachers to succeed. One of the other things, and I've done some reading on this as well, uh, because of this nexus to education and crime, it's been suggested that um, we should get rid of departments of education uh, at, at colleges and universities because they're not they, these these people. The curriculum is weak, and they come out of these departments of education. They don't know how to teach. They haven't taught them how to teach. Okay, they just they go on, they fulfill the requirements, take the prerequisites, and all that. They get their, their license, their certification, and then they can go into the schools and teach, but they're not prepared to teach in a challenging environment. And they also don't understand that all kids don't learn at the same rate, uh, the same rate and in the same way. So you have this one-size-fits-all, and it's not going to work. And that's why I said, you let some schools innovate and go, hey, look, this here might work with this group of students because of the challenges that they have, but they can't because it's all policy from central office. They said we can't do it. I hear from teachers all the time. I'm not going to totally blame them, but I am going to blame them uh, for promoting that kid at the end of the year, passing them on to the next grade. Well, and I'll, I'll say this, though. To be a it, teacher. In, the def- in the defense of the teachers who are doing that, they're being told to do that by administrators. Here's something else. Right. If you're talking about, again, eating that elephant one spoon at a time, too many administrators. There are too many administrators, and we have seen, you know, teacher per pupils, teachers per pupils has stayed flat or gone down. Um, but we have administrators per pupils. We have many admin- more administrators per pupils than we ever had in the past. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Why do we need so many administrators? Why do we need so many uh, you know, pieces of paper that have to be filled out? Why so much bureaucracy? Why so much bureaucracy when we know at the end of the year, when those kids take that test, 40% of them are going to be reading and writing at grade level on tests that actually reduced what proficiency means. Meanwhile, ki- some kids are at 0% reading and writing at grade level, and nobody seems to think that this re- is requiring any sort of fundamental structural change. But that's something that uh, clearly 
clearly adding the administrators has done nothing. Clearly making it about facilities. This isn't about facilities. This is about whether a person standing in front of a classroom of students is capable of educating those students and those students are there in an environment that allows them to learn. Instead, what do we got in Madison? We have got, you know, uh, an argument for two years that four police officers, one at each high school, shouldn't be there because it's racist. We have instead shut down <laughs> discipline and made classrooms chaotic and teachers fear for control of their own classrooms. That's the answer instead by the left because we've let them call the shots for way too long. Yeah, I think there, would have been, there was a, a unique opportunity by the Walker administration and he was hated by the teachers anyway. He wasn't going to lose much there in terms of political support uh, to have abolished the uh, Department of Public Instruction, that that failing entity that Evers was the head of. And if he couldn't run that thing, how's he going to run the state? So there's a there might be a snapshot of uh, you yeah. know, what Wisconsin might look like going forward. But anyway, there's still some things that can be done uh, at the legislative level that, you know, the, the it's a little going to be a little tougher now if they're going to have to pass bills that Evers, you know, very, uh, the teacher supported Evers uh, will veto, but at the same time, Do it. they still should push these things. Yeah, they I've... still should push these things, force them to veto it, talk about the abysmal uh, results, you know, have and, a, by the a way, narrative. And, and be ready, and be ready when you get power again to actually do something. I'm looking at my clock here. I'm out of time. Uh, David Clark, thanks very much for coming on the show today. It's my pleasure. Enjoy your weekend. You as well. We'll be right back. The end is nigh. The end is nigh, apparently. That's, um, I guess, what Pope Francis is warning about. The end is nigh. He's not suggesting that we, you know, abandon our secular sinful ways. No, no, no. He is suggesting instead that we all adopt a carbon tax. Now, I have Mark Morano from Climate Depot on the phone, and we are going to talk about more than just Pope Francis' statement about this. But Mark's first question to me was, did he actually say that? Or was it an offhanded comment? <laughs> you know, but no, he actually said it at uh, to a group of participants at a Vatican-sponsored conference on energy transition on Friday. Quote, we cannot afford the luxury of waiting for others to come forward or prioritizing short-term economic benefits. The climate crisis requires devi- a decisive action from us here and now. He uh, said, quote, a carbon pricing policy is essential if humanity wants to use the resources of creation wisely. I, 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 you you got to be kidding me. I, honestly, Mark, there is zero science to show that what he is saying is, is even remotely valid. There's no model that makes it plausible, and it will impoverish people he claims to care about. Yeah, there's so many different levels here of, Bowl is a big bowl of wrong, let's put it that way. And there's many layers to this bowl. And the first one is he's once again marrying global warming in religion, which you don't even need to do because global warming is a religion. How do we know that? The head of the UN climate panel actually said, and I'm not and I'm quoting exactly, global warming is my religion. So he's actually merged those two and he's sowing more confusion among Catholics. Is this now a Catholic doctrine where you know you you have, you have one of our sacraments now, and you know, now we must support a carbon tax and be worried about global warming. This is beyond nuts. 
And I went to the Vatican Conference in 2015. I've done many special reports on this. I was almost thrown out by the United Nations at that Vatican Conference for trying to ask questions of the UN Secretary General. I called it an unholy alliance between Pope Francis and the UN uh, anti-death squad, the pro-death squad. Uh, these are the people who, are, you know, everyone from the, the Paul Ehrlich, the John Ehrlich, the Naomi Kleins, the uh, Jeffrey Sachs. These are the population control people. These are the people who, uh, like, like Al Gore, who lament that too many Africans are coming down the line in the next century and we have to do something about it. We need ubiquitous fertility management. So now the Pope, not only is he wrong on the science, dead wrong, but he's wrong on a climate. Even if we face the climate catastrophe, there's been actual studies showing carbon taxes increase emissions, period. Because all it does is penalize wealthy nations uh, with higher environmental standards and forces you know, energy to poor countries that don't have the same standards and have thus higher emissions. So all you do with a carbon tax is shuffle around the emissions, and it doesn't actually lower them. It makes no, Plus it hurts the people you purport to be helping, the poor people who pay higher energy. It's nuts on every level, but it's nothing short of what I'd expect from this Pope. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm fairly shocked that he has committed the global Catholic Church to, you know, to the pursuit of global socialism that will be at the detriment of humanity. It will be to the suffering of humanity. He is he is demanding we be delivered if you're a believing Catholic. I mean, that 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 is absolutely extraordinary to me. I mean, you might not be shocked, but I'm I'm absolutely shocked and I'm disgusted with what he is doing here. Because, again, everything you said is true. If you in, impose carbon taxes on the United States and we try to ratchet down our economy, simply what, what simply happens is energy production will increase in countries that have zero environmental standards whatsoever, like China. And, oh, by the way, there aren't any Catholics in China. And there aren't any Catholics. They're, they're not, I mean, there are Catholics in some of the other third world countries that are huge polluters, but they're certainly not by any stretch of the imagination the majority. So, I mean, okay, let's hand China and Russia the keys to the economic kingdom, make, you know, make global social the cause of the Catholic Church to the detriment of Catholicism, humanity, um, you know, survival. I, 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 I'm shocked. I'm totally shocked. I had someone tell me about a year ago he thought Francis was the anti-pope and I thought he was, you know, spinning conspiratorial yarns and spending too much time watching dystopian movies. And now I'm, I'm going to have a hard time arguing with him. Yeah, I mean, keep on. We have two popes alive, which is another weird scenario. Uh, you have... Uh, Pope Benedict, who's living in the hills of Italy, not far out of Rome, uh, and he can't be happy with this. His, when his, during his, when he was Pope, uh, he actually had conferences where he invited skeptical scientists and, and you know, activist scientists, and they actually had climate debates and fair hearings on the science, and they didn't get involved on the policy. Francis changed all that. Now, I am, I'm not shocked, but I'm a little bit surprised at his just, he's just gone full activist on the issue now. Before, he had a little bit of couching. Remember, he did a whole encyclical on the environment. And, and one of the things that he asked Catholics of the world to pray for was a successful outcome of the U.N. Paris Agreement in 2015. This is nuts. I mean, it's just nuts for a pope to get involved on that level in a papal encyclical urging the Catholic faithful to, to pray for the success of a U.N. climate treaty. Nuts that he would get prayers involved in that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is, he, keep in mind, his background is Latin American poverty, 
socialist perspective. So he, the, you, you know, in the Jerry Maguire film, you know, you had me at hello. Uh, you know, what is it called? Yeah, uh, Tom, what is his name? Not Tom Hanks, but uh, Ma- Jerry Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. That film, the Pope, the UN had the Pope at wealth redistribution and global governance. He politically in, is immediately uh, in simpatico with the UN agenda. The whole one world government, the whole wealth transfer, the whole centralized transformation the UN seeking, that's music to this Pope's ears. So he just has to make a small leap on the science, uh, and which isn't hard for him to do, especially given who he's surrounded himself with. And this is what we end up with, someone who's just pushing the same agenda, actually maybe a little more than the UN, couching it in religion, and with a smattering of science here and there, a couple of years, but he mostly avoids the science, uh, even his encyclicals, like 2%. Well, he's avoiding the science entirely here. He's trying to make this all of a matter of a moral imperative. Um, you know, you know, there's a great piece on National Review about the Democrats not being able to to actually, you know, cash to actually, you know, cash the checks on what they're demanding for this climate crisis. The rhetoric is so out of whack, Mark. It is so out of whack, and the more out of whack it gets, the more you actually have scientists, I think, it seems, willing to push back and say, this is just nuts. Um, because we have, now gone, we have now gone sort of full insane, full crazy on climate crisis, existential crisis. Please point out the existential crisis. Please describe the, you know, the crazy um, things that are going on in the atmosphere. Please, please show us where you're finding the warming. Show us the sea level rising. Show us the glacier melts. Show us this stuff. And and you can't. And the more it get, the more insane it gets. The radicals are are activated for American politics. But I think you actually have got to get people saying, "Are you serious? I mean, you you really think that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's Green New Deal at a hundred trillion dollars that's going to essentially destroy America as we know it is something that that anyone's going to buy into, even if Pope Francis thinks we should?" It's all just ways that they're, they're, it's their coalition that they're building. They've never had a pope before join this coalition. So this is what's the shocking part about Francis. I mean, he's just so willing to align himself with people that are literally diametrically opposed to Catholic doctrine on, all, on almost every other issue when it comes to this, especially the life issues and the, the, the development issues in the world. So what you have here is the, the left is so activated right now. They're putting everything on 2020. And it, what's funny about this is Leonardo DiCaprio has a new HBO documentary just premiered this week, and they're actually making it available free. It's still got terrible ratings. But the interesting thing is fellow environmental activists are trashing Leonardo DiCaprio as a white supremacist, as someone who's suppressing the, the voices of people of color. Apparently his film only profiles white people, and of course he's white himself, and he's the narrator. So he is being accused of white supremacy. This just goes, this is a level of, they, they are... Eating their own, they're going. They're they're in a nuclear mode right now, just going nuts, putting it all on, fighting each other, getting the message out, uh, and who knows where this is going to end. If Donald Trump loses, they're in power. 
Yeah, they're in power. And the radicals are demanding something radical. That's the thing, is that you have now got two generations coming through the American school system, being fed a diet of junk science in the name of the pursuit of global socialism, who demand that, oh, this is our World War II. This is, that's what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says. You know, right. this, we have to make this our D-Day. I mean, there's an awful lot of people out there under the age of 30, um, you know, who find that rhetoric not stupid and insulting, but inspiring. You know, even though what they are saying they, they want to do in pursuit of some kind of climate utopia will create nothing but a gigantic, you know, blue ball of pollution and crap. Because if we actually can't use the energy from, from the God-created energy of carbon-based fuels, then we are going to have nothing but polluted rivers, piles of garbage. If, if we have global socialism and a, and a central committee is deciding what we're supposed to do, we're going to look like the Soviet Union and be in the same position to fight back against catastrophe as they were in 1986 when Chernobyl happened. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, that's one of the things. Socialism is one of the biggest destructive forces in the environment. You know, it's, if you go to these poor countries, and in countries with central planning and brutal dictators and you know, no democracy, no freedom, in Africa and South America, you'll find people using dung to burn and, eat and, and to heat and cook with, breathing in horrible air, poor air quality, burning wood, dumping raw sewage in the rivers, filthy, clear-cutting forests out of desperation. Once you get prosperity and development that fossil fuels bring, you suddenly get infrastructure, sewage treatment, electrification. You get people moving from the jungles, as they are in the Amazon, into the urban areas. And so for every acre of rainforest cut, 50 are regenerating now. It, that's the success story. Development, capitalism, fossil fuel growth. So if we did face a climate catastrophe, we would want more of technological advancement, more freedom, more economic growth in order to actually be kinder to the earth than the destructiveness of socialism. But no one's got that message. In fact, the media, one other insane thing that's happened this week, the UK Guardian and, and several other publications are now going to call it the climate emergency. Uh, Telemundo just joined in a couple days ago. They're no longer calling it climate change. It's the climate emergency. That's how they're going to refer to it. That's journalism objectivity for you. Yeah, the climate emergency. Again, where are those patterns of weird weather? Because now, of course, climate change is weather, right? Where's the warming? Where's the sea level rise? Where are the melting glaciers? Where's all of this stuff happening? We're trying to figure this out. Because if we, and I just talked to Dr. Patrick Michaels earlier this week, if we zeroed out our carbon emissions in the United States, zeroed them out and used the most aggressive, you know, phonied up UN model, we would not be able to measure the temperature difference in 100 years. Wouldn't be able to measure it. And that's true on um, whether you're talking the UN. And that's also true if you're talking the UN Paris Agreement, the Green New Deal, carbon taxes. It's all climate symbolism for very real economic reality and pain. But that's what it's all about. And I, you know, as I talked about before, you go back to the 60s. Every previous environmental scare over population resource scarcity, all of the same solutions, just a different environmental scare, global warming, but the latest scare with, guess what, the same solutions, wealth solution, sovereignty limiting, central planning, etc. For, for, uh, po- know, for powerful a, elites, this is, a, this is a, 
Go ahead, Mark. I'm, I'm running out of time in this segment. This, this is the battle line we have. For, this is the battle line we have. And let's hope that we can articulate this in 2020. People have to understand there is no climate emergency, as they're going to be reading about. There is no crisis. And if we did actually face one, the Green New Deal, carbon taxes, and central planning would be the worst possible way to go. Thanks for coming on the show. ClimateDepot.com is where you can find the latest and the politically incorrect guide to climate change. Author Mark Morano on my phone here. Thanks, Mark. All right. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break. Be right back. That's what happens when you get behind the eight ball. When you've got the progressives having infiltrated, you know, Every institution insinuated themselves deeply into bureaucracies and and taken up their home in the hive of the Democratic Party without anybody on the other side noticing or bothering to do anything about it. You know, then you get to an election like we've got coming up and we're completely behind the eight ball on some pretty important things, you know, like socialism. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management sponsors or staff. Broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. Here we are. We are in what now, Dave? Day two? Day two, I believe, on obsessing over Trump's comments about if, if, mind you, if, Someone from another nation had dirt or opposition material on a political opponent. He might look at it, right? It all begins with that big if. Um, We're on day two. How many days, do you remember? How many days did we spend on Hillary Clinton when confronted with the fact that her campaign paid for the Steele dossier? A foreign agent who was doing opposition research by sourcing information from Russia... And she said, well, it's what campaigns do. We get, you know, we, we get opposition research. It's politics, just politics. She, she not only said, did not say if, she justified what she did, what she did, calling it politics. How many more days are we going to spend on Trump? And what I think, admittedly, was an ill-advised comment. But how many more days are we going to spend on this? And how much more garment rending are you liberals going to do on this when your girl, your girl, did it, justified it as politics, the Steele dossier? 
That's pure opposition research sourced from a foreign agent. That foreign agent sourcing the material from Russia... It was all fake, by the way, and then using that phonied document to trick the FISA court into authorizing wiretaps in an investigation into an opposition political campaign. I mean, really? How many more? Can I get, or can I get an idea of how many more days you hacks are going to fake outrage over this? I'm going to say it's got to go through the weekend because the weekend I'm, I'm using this word with finger quotes here. I mean, do my again, my my Chris Farley impersonation, quote unquote, news shows on the weekend. With regard to Kellyanne Conway, the office of special counsel who demanded president gave President Trump 24 hours 24 hours on this so-called report that, incidentally, White House counsel has looked at and blown holes, howitzer-sized holes to this report on Kellyanne Conway. Gave him 24 hours to decide what he was going to do. He's going to fire Kellyanne Conway, bring Hatch Act charges against her. You know, I mean, give me a break. And we're supposed to, we're actually supposed to take that seriously no, because the Office of Special Counsel, this is not Robert Mueller, by the way, the Office of Counsel just didn't like the guy running this whole show has long complained about President Trump as president. No, you don't take that seriously because it's the Office of Special Counsel acting politically. I call on an investigation of the Office of Special Counsel for violations of the Hatch Act. The same office of special counsel wasn't garment rending when Obama's spokespeople were doing the exact same thing. You should be outraged. How dare you not be? I can't be outraged. I literally am incapable at this point of being outraged. Because all of your outrages that you are demanding I be outraged with Pale in comparison to the crap you guys do routinely in the pursuit of your politics. Forgive me for not joining the Outrage Brigade. We'll take a quick break. I'm going to be right back with Justin Danhoff from the Free Enterprise Project, who called out the hypocrisy of left-wing CEOs recently. We'll get a report from him on what happened at a shareholders meeting. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the program. Bunch of left-wing CEOs have decided that they want to, in many cases on behalf of their shareholders, make dramatic and divisive political statements. This has been going on for some time, um, but almost never does anyone confront them. Now, I'm not saying that the confrontations are producing outstanding results every single time it happens, but at least somebody is confronting them. Um, We've got Justin Danhoff standing by on the phone. Justin is uh, with something called the Free Enterprise Project and is also uh, with the National Center for Public Policy Research, where he is general counsel there. But the director of the Free Enterprise Project, as 
in your capacity as director, Justin, you confront CEOs. That's that's the point of this. Um, oftentimes to frustration, but at least we know, um, you know, I guess just how completely hypocritical a lot of these companies are. But it's good to have you on the program to talk about your latest confrontation with uh, folks at AMC. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, Vicki. Um, and yeah, is the, the, the point of confrontation a lot of times is maybe, just maybe, one time a year at one single event, a liberal social justice warrior CEO can hear a conservative perspective. So sometimes that's really just it, is that they live in these liberal, elite, New York City, San Francisco echo chambers where a conservative opinion it never comes up. A conservative value set isn't heard. And so oftentimes I let them know that when you're the CEO of a publicly traded company, you're acting on behalf of all of the investors, not just those who share your liberal worldview. The liberals don't care. You, you, you just <laughs> learned this, that, that the CEO of AMC does not care. You actually confronted him and said, hey, you know, you want to pull out of Georgia because Georgia passed a law that makes, makes it much harder to get an abortion. <clears throat> what do you have to say about New York? What do you have to say about Illinois? What do you have to say about all of these other states that are allowing abortions up until the point of birth, which, which necessarily require dismembering children? What do you have to say about that? He moved right past your question, didn't even want to answer it. Well, yeah, and, it, and it's more than that. Just think about the general uh, backdrop of what's gone on here. Georgia is one of the hotbeds of all of the filming industry. And why is that? That's because they have a conservative governor and conservative legislature that changed the laws to be inviting by lowering taxes, by offering incentives, and by lowering regulations. So these left-leaning companies, they still want to make money. So where they largely were filming was in California, and they're still doing, obviously, some filming there. But they do a lot of filming in Georgia because the conservative policies drew them there. And so when conservatives then go and advance conservative social policy, that's the bridge too far. So these companies are trying to have it both ways. They're trying to have conservative fiscal policy in place so that it benefits their bottom line. But then when there's actual other conservative policies that step up, that's when they speak out and they they try and have action. And let's not forget, why are they targeting Georgia specifically? Because they've been successful in the past. So another reason we go and we confront CEOs who are engaged in these bad actions is to embolden the legislature, to embolden the governor who are doing the right things. Because in 2016, Georgia's legislature passed a state-level religious freedom law. What happened? Disney and AMC, like they both are now, threatened to withdraw from the state if the governor signed it. And the National Football League told Governor Nathan Deal at the time, if you sign it, Atlanta will never be allowed to host the Super Bowl. So Deal vetoed the bill. So what I'm doing is going to these companies, A, to confront them, but B, to let the you know state governor and the legislature know that you're not alone. People have your back, that Alyssa Milano and Amy Schumer shouldn't be running policy for this country, okay, and certainly not for your state. 
Yeah, nor, so nor should the, the CEO of AMC, <laughs> nor should the guy who produced, you know, uh, who's, who's you know, kicking the can and, and completely wrecked the series The Walking Dead, <laughs> nor should that guy. I mean, what are we on season 10 and we still have no idea how this god-awful series is going to end? That guy <laughs> probably shouldn't be calling the shots for the people of Georgia. The people of Georgia should be calling the shots. But, but I think you make a good point here is that when that pressure, that's why they do it, when that pressure comes to state legislatures, state legislatures cave. I mean, a religious freedom restoration act. Nearly every state has something on the books, either through the courts or in explicit um, legislation to protect people's religious freedom. Because here's what a religious freedom restoration act protection does. It says the government must use the most limited power that it has. It must use the lightest touch if it thinks it has an, a, a goal, and it's got to be a goal that actually passes a test. It's, but it's got a goal, say a social policy goal. If you're going to constrain people's religious freedom, you have to do it in the most gentle way, in the softest way, in the least restrictive way you can. And the NFL said, we can't have that. We can't have that. You know, we can't have any constraints on the government if they want to crush people's religious freedom. No, no, no. And so now you've got the same people saying either you do not protect nascent human life or we're going to pull up stakes and we're going to pull Walking Dead to another state or whatever else is being filmed there. Yeah, that's right. And um, let me give you an anecdote, Vicki, from from the meeting that just it, it puts a fine point on all of this. At the meeting, they showed a bunch of clips of upcoming television shows, and AMC actually owns a large part of BBC. And BBC's been doing a lot of new Earth shows, and there's one coming out, in the, um, I believe, in 2020. And they showed uh, some behind-the-scenes footage, and this is, was footage from Antarctica. And what happened was there was a group of penguins that broke off from the main pack and got a little lost, and they kind of fell into a hollow, and they couldn't get out. And there's this film crew, it's just all white surrounding, watching as these penguins are stuck. And they, you know, they climb up each side and they keep falling down. And what starts happening is some of their babies start dying. They can't, they can't keep them warm enough. They can't get out. They can't get food. And we're, they're watching as these babies are freezing to death. And the film crew gets emotional. And then they said, that, you know, they, they pan back and they said, we're going to do something we've never done. We're going to interfere with nature. We just can't watch this go on anymore. And so they took a shovel and they basically built a stairway and they directed the penguins on how to get out. And, you know, you could hear a pin drop in the room. So when I confronted the CEO of AMC, my specific question was, why does this company have more compassion for a baby penguin than it does for a baby human? How about this? That, why does that, the company have any compassion? Why, why does the company have so much compassion for a baby penguin and none for a baby human? I mean, I'm because you told me that story and I felt so bad for those penguins. But I mean, but none for the baby human. None. Well, and that just that just goes to how perverse liberal America has become on the issue of life. Right. That you, you couldn't put, put a finer point on it than that. Um, it really tells the whole story of where the left is on this issue and the fact that, you know, it's not just Disney, it's not just AMC Networks, it's, you know, it, it's Warner Broadcasting as well. But also, you know, last, early this week, actually, 180 CEOs of other companies signed an advertisement that was in 
the New York Times, appropriately, right, uh, basically blasting Georgia and Alabama and other states that were passing heartbeat bills and other pro-life legislation, saying that it's, quote, bad for business. I would like to know the reverse of that. Why is killing a baby good for business? I would like one of those 180 CEOs to tell me how killing a baby is good for their bottom line. I don't think they'll be able to answer that. They don't want to answer it because I can answer it. It's we need to have we need to have available workers. We need to make sure we meet our diversity quotas. And darn it, having kids takes those women out of the marketplace. I mean, they're basically saying, deny your deep femininity so that you can work for us. And 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 you better hope that, you know, that five percent raise you might get from time to time or that promotion is much more satisfying than watching your eighteen year kid graduate from high school, you know, or, or listening to your, to your child, you know, speak his first words. You better hope that that's an, an adequate trade-off, but let's not even have that conversation because we don't want to remind you that that's what the trade-off's going to be. I'd love to confront one of those 80, 180 CEOs and ask that question. I'd love it if you could confront one of those 180 CEOs and ask that question because, again, I think like what happened to you at the AMC meeting, they'll just try to pretend you didn't ask the question in the first place. Yeah, because there's no way to defend what they're doing. And what's so interesting about this is, you know, basically the question that I posed, and I actually I asked this of CEO of Netflix as well, Reed Hastings, who is an extreme leftist, and he refused to answer the question at all. Period. Just just ducked it. Said nothing. Um, and they, by the way, film in Egypt. Good luck having an abortion in Egypt and not ending up in jail. By the way. So, you know, the hypocrisy is also stunning when it comes to these, these companies. But it, it, it's basically what I did was the job of any print journalist who's running a story on this, right? Like when they're, they're all running stories on these companies, how come not, a, you know, well, obviously we know the answer because it's affirming their own worldview. They don't want to point out the hypocrisy. They don't want to know the answers to these questions. Um, because it wouldn't help fit their narrative. Yeah, why wouldn't if someone... the basic job of journalism 101. When they're writing a story on this, they should call up the company and ask for a comment on why. <laughs> well, yeah, why is, why is, not, why is um, you know, women not, uh, having babies bad for business? Why is women not having babies good for business? Could you give us an answer to that question, please? Or cover what you just did with AMC and say, hey, there was this guy who's, who had a confrontation at a shareholders meeting with the CEO and asked a pretty good question. Could we get an answer to that? What do you have to say about New York? What do you have to say about Illinois? What do you have to say about California? I would like someone to ask AMC. I mean, I want to see the Penguin show. You know, I mean, I like penguins a lot, a, a whole lot. Um, but I would also like to know why they never do a documentary or air a piece that actually looks at the reality of late-term abortion. Are, I mean, why not? Why don't we ever see that? I would like, you know, I would like to a- have somebody ask Alyssa Milano, would you like to bear witness to a late-term abortion and let us know what you think about that later? Could we actually get you to expose yourself to the reality of this? But not a single journalist that isn't on, you know, center-right or further-right or from a Christian organization is ever going to ask that question or write that article. Because I guess if we never expose people to these questions and these answers, then I guess everybody will just start to agree with agree with us that, you know, ripping apart a nine-month-old baby because the mom decided she doesn't want it, is they okay? 
Yeah, and I mean, I would encourage folks, um, if you haven't seen it, to definitely take the time out to watch Unplanned. Um, just an incredible film um, that I hope is changing some hearts and minds, certainly not at the CEO level or in Hollywood, um, in Hollywood itself. But, um, you know, that that's a truly powerful film that, that, that hits on this issue. And, you know, my concern, though, is that those 180 CEOs and the CEOs of AMC and everyone else, they're their numbers are actually going to grow. You know, if they signed a letter next week in the New York Times, I imagine it would be, you know, 280. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. CEO is not, you know, a reverse and down to 80. So that's the issue is that, you know, those of us who believe in life do need to reach out to these companies. You don't have to do what I do. You don't have to go to a shareholder meeting. You can. Come come to nationalcenter.org, shoot me an email, give me a phone call, I'll tell you how to do it. Super easy. But you can also just call the company. You can call the board. You can call the investor relations. You can email government relations offices. You can email the PR people. If they, you know, if they hear from our side more than just me showing up at a shareholder meeting from time to time, it could it could start to have an effect because believe me, you know, this is an issue that folks care passionately about. And these companies are trying to change the culture in which you live. Think Without, about that. They're trying to change your culture. You don't need to change laws to change culture all the time. Companies can move the needle in it by themselves, and they know that. I would, don't let them. I would say without your permission, except that if you don't do anything, it, in your, you know, your tacit response would be taken as permission. Justin Danhoff, please find him at nationalcenter.org. And as you say, you can click on the Free Enterprise Project, which is linked to that website, and you can learn all about what you do. Thanks very much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Vicki. Have a great one. Always great to have you on the show, Justin. We'll take a break here when we come back. Mr. Brian Shimming, or as I like to refer to him, Mr. Press Secretary, will be in next. Hey, welcome back to the program. Welcome back to the program. Uh, Sitting in the studio, uh, I would like to introduce who I hope will become President Trump's new press secretary. Tan, rested, what's the third thing? Ready. Ready. Brian Shimming. Brian Shimming. How are you? So I'm out on the east side yesterday. Suddenly my phone starts blowing up. I wonder who caused this. Now, the only couple of people I know that can make my phone blow up are certainly you, number one, and, uh, you know, a couple of others. But uh, a friend of ours from Mark Farland texted, oh, I think you'd be great at this. I'm like, great at what? And uh, so, I, I didn't ask Brian's permission to throw his name into the ring. Let it be said, it was not the first time. For press secretary. <clears throat> but I think you'd be think really I, good at it, because, and we should talk about what... You know, people are like, it should be Candace Owens. It should be Ted no, Nugent. No, no. no, it shouldn't. Yeah, Nugent would be interesting. but um, And it shouldn't be Anthony Scaramucci. Oh, no. I wonder if he's warming up his Here, resume. Here's why Sarah Sanders was as good as she was. Because she, she began... She, she began her tenure, she conducted her tenure, and she ended her tenure 
as a pro. She actually right. had a sense of what tone she needed to use, what she needed to point. do, and she could actually answer hostile questions on the fly. And under an umbrella of withering attacks. And and in that job, and I've been in various, as you know, spokesperson roles, e- either as a job or forced into them under necessarily fun circumstances. But um, it wasn't you, you about got, Sarah. It was. It wasn't that she never made it about her. She never made it about her. It's always about the boss. Number two, you gotta. I, I don't care who, Democrat, Republican, whatever. You gotta have thick skin in that job and remember to stay on message because you're standing in front of a room full of people frankly even if they're friendly their job is to get you off message and to answer their question not the one you want to answer and uh so she you know i think i'll be honest with you i i she lasted a while. Now, she grew up in a political family, uh, uh, Governor uh, uh, Huckabee's daughter. So this this isn't her, she was doing her first rodeo and stuff like this probably when she was about nine. But, um, you know, I think she did a, a good job. And whoever comes in after her is going to – I mean, let, let's face it. You know, Trump's probably not the easiest person to always be a spokesperson for. Uh, because oftentimes he's his own spokesperson, and uh, but he's had success at it, and so she's, I think she's done a pretty good job. I, I think she's I, been fab- fabulous. I do too. I, I think was, she's been yeah, fabulous. She was at the event up in Green Bay, and she got a standing ovation. Well, so I was uh, sitting in. I was up at the Trump rally in Green Bay. Was what I'm saying, and. Uh, so at one point, and it was, I didn't think it was scripted. So Trump's on, you know, they did all the warm up acts, John, Don Jr., this one, that one, all this. So while the president's up on stage, she's off kind of to my right by about 50 feet. Actually, I think it was her husband there and a couple other, whoever, all those other people. And Trump, like, says nice things about her. Well, she's kind of a hero for conservatives because, I mean, she takes, I mean, she's, she'll get thrown out of a restaurant in Virginia, you know, and she, uh, and then get yelled at in the street and on the way over to the other one. And so she, man, when she went up to the stage, you could feel the ground shaking in that place up up uh, in Green Bay. I mean, she was, man, she had a fan club there. She so, knew, so, you know, there's there's been talk about Stephanie Grisham possibly um, being yeah, moved into today, this job. Yeah. This is the first lady's communication director. Right. Um, and that she's, she's loyal, she's tough, she's a pro. I mean, you, that's what you need. Loyal, tough pro. You yep. need someone who, if the president is his own spokesperson, and you have to go out to the and face the press, and you have to, you know, you have your job to do. You have to be able to to handle all of those things coming at you on the fly and not make a mistake. Sarah True. Sanders didn't make mistakes. Uh, Sean Spicer made all kinds of mistakes. And it wasn't sure. because he's a bad guy or a bad... He was a Republican no, National Committee communications he's guy. He's a decent guy. He is a decent guy. But he was, he was making mistakes left and right because his forte was not to be there being barraged with hostility. His forte was to be able to craft messages with time right. and research. And he was very, very good at it. Right. But on the fly wasn't his thing. It was hers. It well, is Grisham's. He was also the first man on the field. I mean, he was the first press guy for a president who, let's be candid here, 
unlike any other when it comes to handling the press. I mean, it just is. And so, um, you know, so Spicer, who I think, you're right, decent guy, a smart guy, I think well-liked guy, but, he, you know, that was his first rodeo for the president. It was really his first rodeo in the capacity of a spokesperson. In that, in that kind of capacity. Again, as a spokesperson for the Republican Party, right. he could craft a message. Oh, he yeah. could spend some time. He didn't typically have to take that kind of heat. Well, in fact, to your to your point, thinking forward here, so the, whoever the next person is, you know, me or anyone else, but uh, whoever the next person is will be going into a situation, number one, you got all this stuff the Dems are throwing from the hill, number one, but number two, you're in, you're into the shoot on the campaign already. And so you're going to be traveling a lot. You're going to be speaking for the president in an official, but sometimes kind of quasi-campaign role if you're traveling with him officially. So so this person's jumping into it. Let's. This will be a live fire. Uh, That's why one. I think you'd be good at this, because this is this is kind of your this is sort of your wheelhouse. This is what you what you do. Um, and, and you know, I don't know much about the first lady's communication uh, director, either, except sure. that except that. She's fiercely defend. She has fiercely defended the first lady in ways that that kind of make me make me want to have you know sit down and have a glass of wine with her. I mean, well, she has just been tough oh, as yeah. tough gets, and I so that to me and, and, and is a big check mark in her favor. And we, you and I have talked and about she's this. She's loyal. Like, yeah, and I think we've even talked about it on the air too. The first lady. Now I've only seen two. Interviews with her that were more than a couple of minutes. One was on CBS. I forget what the other one is. She's no amateur either. The first lady is very sharp. I mean, she didn't. She hasn't done as well as she had because she married some rich real estate guy from New York. She was doing just fine before she ran into Donald Trump. And uh, the couple interviews I saw, she knows exactly what she's doing. So I, I th- that would be a very dynamic situation to work for the president. Let's put it that way. I think you'd be great. I think yeah. it would be fun to watch you. Can I do it from here? Can I do you it from can't, Wisconsin? You can't, Brian. You can't do it from yeah, Wisconsin. I love D.C. I've probably been to D.C. 150 times, maybe. I mean, I've been going to D.C. for We call a you time. a dark horse candidate because, you know, yeah. we're try- I'm, I'm trying to tweet out, you know, enthusiasm and try to create the Brian Shimming for press secretary movement here. But, the, the, but again, the... the 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 qualities you need and that Sarah Sanders sort of I, I think innately I think I mean yeah. this is her this is her 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 profession, but innately she had a sense of how to how to handle this job how to handle this hostility, and so do you because you went through the hostility Ooh. during the recall uprising during the Prosser recount back when when uh, Prosser wasn't Justice Prosser but Speaker Prosser back when Governor Thompson was in office I mean these are things. That um, that you know you have a you have an innate balance and ability to sort of just understand. You don't make mistakes. You don't you you don't throw long. You know somebody said. In, in fact, I heard this too, and I thought that might be an interesting choice, Sean Hannity, right? But but Sean Hannity is used to throwing yeah, long bombs. <clears throat> yeah, he does. And and and, 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 yeah, and in a good way. And but... I say this, and it's not a crack on Hannity, but he's used to throwing long bombs. That he chooses to throw for his own purposes. It's easier when you can... If it's not you, it's hard to have your whole life have been you 
and 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 spectacularly you, and then suddenly that's not what yeah. your life is about anymore. Now your life is about service to someone else. Well, where else and, were they talking about at one time about another time? Was it Laura Ingram or someone at one time? I think they were talking about. But that role, I mean, you're going out there once a day or however often they go out. You go going out there from once talk a day show you, to spokesperson oh, yeah. is a very Big tough difference. because, again, your 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 own thing is your own thing. It's you know your talk show is all about you, right? At that moment, you're on the air. It's it's you. You're making the call. You're making. You're yep. choosing what you say. Everything that comes out of your mouth is a choice you have made. Oh, yeah. In pursuit of a purpose you have chosen. When it's you're, when you're the spokesperson for the president of the United States, it is not about what you have oh, yeah. chosen and in a pursuit of the goals you desire. It's all about what that guy needs you to do. Well, and you have period. to balance it out too, because with this president, I don't even say this critically, but he's his own chief of staff, his own press secretary, his own everything. So you could go out and do the White House press briefing. And go back, and uh, it was like uh, my college advisor used to sign his memos. This is the truth until further notice. And further notice could be two minutes later. The president's off saying something else and meaning it. He's not doing it to screw up. He, he means or, it. Or to, or to stick it to his press secretary. Or to stick it to his press secretary. So there's, there's the kind of person who can handle it, Sarah Sanders. There's the kind of person who didn't handle it well, but maybe handles it in a different situation, but just not this one, Spicer. Yeah, and so Spicer's, it remains to be seen. I, I like Spicer. I, I didn't. I like. Know, I, 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 he's a smart guy. He's actually. He, he didn't get credit because he was not appropriate correct. for the role. So he didn't get credit for being as smart and and, and actually as decent a, a person as he actually is, just because it was the wrong fit uh, by, by in the a way, spectacular I should, way. I should mention <laughs> to you that uh, they announced, and we're going to make sure you're there. Um, hang on a second. I'm looking for it. Uh, Sean Spicer is going to be the uh, speaker at the Right to Life banquet next year in Milwaukee. And uh, I emceed that that last year. But they, for folks who were upset with Governor Evers now already announcing he was going to veto all four of the pro-life bill. I mean, he didn't waste any time. They hadn't even passed the thing. But um, but you got uh, a chance to see, and you know, Sean Spicer on his own, not constrained by a job description. Just gonna, and he's he's very pro life and he's very smart and it will be and he's a great speaker. He's been on my program before. Have anyway, you had him on? Yeah. A while, oh, I, quite I a while ago. Quite a while ago, though. Okay. Um, back when I used to work with him as, you know, he would email me things from the RNC and I would get back to him and, you know, you just when you deal with I media people. Okay. I, I didn't recall that. And you by had the way, him in a different environment, if you didn't have open, dedicated, uniform hostility Sure. By the press, for you know, for any reason, when you didn't have the journalists thinking they were the stars of the show, trying to, you know, trying to to stick it to sure. a president, um, he'd have, it, he'd have probably been all right. I mean, in, in the Bush administration, I think he would have been just fine. He would have been fine. It was just that the media, yep. no, right. needed scalps. And uh, if you thought that the people who were your friends once and you had a oh. decent working relationship with were going to be your friends oh, no. with President Trump as president, yeah, yeah you're no. sorely mistaken. We're going to take a break here. We've got lots of stuff to cover on the program. Looks like Maple Bluff has learned the hard way that, uh, you know, you get what you vote for. We'll talk about that coming <laughs> up. How would you like to have a concrete parking lot in your front yard? We'll talk about that as well. We'll be right back. And we're back. 
Speaking of, by the way, speaking of Right to Life, there's a rally coming up, I think, on June 20th, right? It is next Thursday. God, it's June 20th already. It's next Thursday, June 20th, 12 to 3 at the state capitol. And um, as you know, and you've been talking about it, the governor has already announced he's going to veto all four of the pro-life bills, including the heartbeat bill that the legislature passed. And so Wisconsin Right to Life is sponsoring a rally to see if they can help the governor see the light. It is next Thursday, June 20th, 12 to 3, up at the state capitol. So um, I, th- to me, I, I, I don't know if the governor thinks he's winning on this issue or whatever, but on the heartbeat, that I, I just... The public's not with them on that. I, I'm going to tell you something. Bill. I think if you, I think if you polled the public uh, and asked how many of them knew about it, you wouldn't get many Exa- people even it, knowing it, about it. it. it, it true, true. So, with all due respect to the Republicans, who I think you know need to necessarily get him, um, you know, penned in on positions, which is what this this effort is because he announced before the bills were even drafted he intended to veto any and all abortion restrictions in wisconsin and while i think that's important what i think is more important is um to get people to actually understand this that might have been you know something that they could have done in that last special session but i guess they were pressed for time but doing it in the context of when the budget is completely overwhelming everything is from a timing perspective i would have either done it earlier or later you know and get away from the budget Well, personally i would have done it when there was a governor who would have signed the bills into law that's when i would have done it i I would have done it yeah when the governor's last name was spelled (laughs) w-a-l-k-e-r you know i don't know why we waited until the governor's name was spelled completely differently uh but you know spelled I, more like some Tony Earle versus... some some might be um some might be cynical about that but uh i don't notice any cynicism on yeah your part, i'm however. very cynical about that because nope. i know that many of those bills had been drafted in the past um again i'm for them passing sure and i'm for them being sent to governor evers and i'm for penning him in on this um but again I mean, if we wanted those pro-life bills, we could have had those pro-life bills. And that was something, you know, at the last, in, in the last uh, waning days of the Walker administration, uh, there is absolutely no doubt if they'd have been included in a special session that he'd have signed them. Well, if you're pro-life, state capitol next Thursday noon is a good place to be. I think so, too. I think so, too. Noon to three. Noon um, to we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and talk about some local issues. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed on the following program are not necessarily the views of WIBA, its management, sponsors, or staff.
broadcasting live from Planet Madison, where everything is beyond parody. This is the Vicki McKenna Show. To be a part of the program, in Madison, call 321-1310. Statewide, call toll-free at 877-235-1310. Or email vicki at wiba.com. Now, here's Vicki McKenna. And welcome back to the program. Brian Shimming, you need to try CBD, my friend. You need to try this stuff right here, which I've been telling you to try. Two news stations have done a story on this company, Nasadol, based out of Verona. I just saw it on Channel 3, I think, and then Channel 15. What did they have to say? Um, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to download. Yeah. I didn't get a chance to download the stories. I'm sure it was. I mean, they're just talking about the first CBD nasal spray company is based in Verona, Wisconsin. I met the owner of the company at an event. I think we did it in April um, with um, Apple Wellness, the Healthy Place. And but I've been using this stuff for a while, and it's really marvelous. So I'm going to again suggest you give this particular. I'm holding yeah, it in my I, hand I, here. I, a try. I admit that I tried another one that was okay, but I haven't. Tri- She's snorting here in the studio. I, yeah. Anytime my knees hurt or my neck hurts, because um, you can use it as needed, um, I use it, and it works wonderfully. Does it work on your lumbago? It does work on your lumbago. Okay. Lumbago. Well, do you know what lumbago means? You never looked this up. It's uh, just a funny word. I probably did. I'm going to tell you, because I, too, something. did not know what it meant and thought it was a funny word. Ow, my lumbago. Lumbago just simply means lower back. There you go. There See? you go. Lower back. It's all. Well, as you know from we watch Packer games together, I do have an amazing medical. Yes, you do. You have an incredible. Always able during the game to accurately determine what's going on. Everybody still wants to know that what the groinecologist is. We all want to know what the groinecologist is. Because every time, every time a Packers player strains himself in a particularly <clears throat> sensitive sensitive masculine sense brian says he's gonna need the groin ecologist Wasn't care to like explain archie bunker thing the first time i think <laughs> I don't that have was any uh, idea i never watched that show groin ecologist never but, watched well that I, show. you know and i i don't like to brag I don't want to brag, of course, and I, I don't want to embarrass you and the others that we watch football games with and have for some time my advanced medical knowledge. <laughs> right. We all attest to the, to, the, to the wise advice we get from Dr. Brian Shimming. So first we had press secretary well, Brian Shimming, now we have Dr. My, Brian Shimming. I've been reading up on my medical journals, so as the Packer season pre-law. approaches. Yeah, weren't you pre-law, too? Yeah, it's real. <laughs> this week, this week. All right, let's talk about some stuff um, statewide, statewide, and locally. Um, crime sprees. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 get to crime sprees. We'll get to bus pads in a second. But let's start with Mandela Barnes. Let's start with our lieutenant governor. Yeah, our lieutenant governor. Um, again, full credit to where it belongs, and that is uh, the Dan Bice column. I don't normally have. I don't normally have a reason to or desire to say full credit to the Dan Bice column. Well, this is a bit of a rare moment that you would. It is certainly not. It is. Not, I wouldn't necessarily say it's rare, but it is. It is less than usual that I would say. But Dan Bice, a columnist, a political columnist, kind of um, Milwaukee Journal, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, 
You could call him a gotcha columnist, I think, accurately. But well, My observation of Dan is he... It's a little bit of ping pong because he'll do a, a tough story on the Democrats and then a week or two later is a tough story yes. on the Republicans. And, I mean, it and he worked. just sources tips is kind of what he does. He sources well, tips. He doesn't end up backtracking often. So when he nope. writes something, it's you can usually to, to go his to credit, the bank on To it. his credit, he's done his research Not on it. Not a lot it. of corrections there. Right. Uh, to his credit, usually he's done his research on it with the exception of the one time he wrote about me. But anyway, uh, usually he's done his research on it. So this is about Mandela Barnes. Uh, The first story Bice did was about Mandela Barnes' failure to pay parking tickets in Milwaukee after having been ordered by a judge, called into court... Ordered by a judge to pay the tickets back when he was a legislator uh, and still didn't do it until Dan Bice called him and said, hey, how come you haven't paid these fines? And that was, I I think, actually a way to introduce an even more, much more egregious story in the same column on Mandela Barnes' excessive use of state patrols, I think they call it the Dignitary Service, the State Patrol Security Service that serves the lieutenant governor and the governor. Correct. There's a dignitary detail that, that staffs both the governor and the lieutenant governor and provides whatever security needs, and including driving them around. Right. So a 5,000% increase over, over Rebecca Clayfish, correct. the former lieutenant governor, in the cost... Of the of the dignitary service under Wisconsin State Patrol, and in that same article, this all was always in one article that that Bice had written, um, indicated that uh, Mandela Barnes, because he didn't pay his parking tickets, couldn't register a car. No. The speculation was that Mandela Barnes was using State Patrol as his own personal chauffeur, his because own personal of the lack Uber. Of options. Right. And whether it be lack of options or just, I'm just going to take advantage of these resources, what we do know is that it's a 5,000% increase over the previous lieutenant governor. And and so far is at $220,000. And... If in fact, <laughs> if in fact, this is being used as his own personal chauffeur service, it's probably a violation of state law. So that was the first. That was one article that we got about two weeks ago in the Dan Bice column in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. By the way, still nothing in the Madison papers. Still nothing anywhere else. But the the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel did it. The Bice column in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, not a separate article. And then I believe right, Fox right. 6 in Milwaukee also picked up on the story. Okay. Today. Is today the 14th? And, and he's, from, today, he's from Milwaukee. But Barnes uh, is from uh, Milwaukee. Barnes is from, just for background. Today, Bice has a column that talks about Mandela Barnes' failure to pay his property taxes on his Milwaukee condo which he purchased in October of 2017. Not only did he fail to pay his the, the property taxes he owed after purchasing the condo in 2017, at the end of 2017, he also failed to pay his entire 2018 property taxes and, and we're left to assume probably has failed to pay the installments on his 2019 property tax bill and bought a second condominium. On top of all On that. top of all this. Here. Has got a second condominium that he's bought <clears throat> without with fail, with, without having paid his property taxes on his first condominium in Milwaukee. Now, 
This is our lieutenant governor who is cheerleading tax increases. He's cheerleading a vehicle miles travel tax and a gas tax increase and all kinds of other property tax increases left and right. Presumably, he just thinks he's exempt from paying any of this stuff because he calls his private drivers at the Wisconsin State Patrol to ferry him wherever he wants to go. I want to know, is he bar hopping with the Wisconsin State Patrol as his detail? Is he going to movies with Wisconsin State Patrol? Are they taking him to the grocery store? Are they running him to the mall when he wants to buy stuff? Are they, if, if he's going out with someone, with some friends, is, are they the limo service? I want to know. Presumably, he doesn't think it's any big deal to pay additional gas tax. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is because he's not paying them. And well, with regard to property taxes, presumably he thinks he's exempt from that as well. Well, uh, as you are not unaware, I used to travel with the detail for Governor McCallum for several months. And um, Remember when McCallum got popped and criticized for flying. for flying? Yeah, which was absurd. And it was. And I said to the Doyle people when they came in, they had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars popping Governor McCallum, who was flying. It's a big state. And frankly, it's a waste of time for the governor to drive from here to Wausau. And and it's more expensive to fly, but it's well, and it is and it isn't. But but the but the long and short of it, with so we're we're all the detail where all the costs got ramped up under Governor Walker was for a very good reason. That's because of the Act Ten protests, because the governor's kids were having people show up at their football high school high school football games and the governor was getting threats uh, including death threats and all this so the security was ramped up both for him and for Rebecca Clayfish and and I you know I said to the folks when but Doyle Barnes came in is, Barnes is blowing the the, the uh, already, caps on that already and with no real threat I I have no problem that Mandela Barnes has security but the numbers that we're talking about here aren't security. would have been astronomical for a governor previously yes a governor under threat yeah and so i and, think in the previous lieutenant governor one rebecca clayfish actually got death threats she uh, actually sure. got death threats. And people got in her face and it again democrat or republican i i feel as though the stop execs need to be protected. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't care which party it is. But there's this, when when it walks like a duck, <laughs> when it looks like a duck, quacks walks like, like a, a duck. duck, and quacks like a duck. It's a duck. It's a duck. And and frankly, this message, and I know they've received it from others, uh, uh, for the folks with all possible respect to the governor's office, uh, uh, the message is, Time to send an adult over there and say, we're not going to have this oh, anymore, I, are we? Beyond that, beyond just we're not going to have this anymore, are we? Someone needs to be held accountable for $220,000 in excessive I, I, spending that one man, 
one man has done because he, he it, it seems like he thinks he won the lottery. Yeah, I was shocked by the as were most people, frankly. People were shocked by the number. And there were a lot of rumors going around the Capitol, and I won't get into the bill of particulars, but, but between Election Day and when they were sworn in, when they get security, once they're elected, you know, even though they're not sworn in yet, they get security. I'm fine with that, too. But... Uh, but that's a different question than the question we're talking about, and and the excessive numbers here at the rate that they were go uh, that they're Reimburse going. Reimburse Wisconsin. That's why yeah, there needs to be an investigation. You can't have that and if kind it's of criminal, I mean, we're going to come back on that in just yeah. a second because people have done far far less. Oh, oh yes. And been charged with crimes. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the program. Here's a crazy idea. Someone blow a call to the governor and say, so, what do you have to say about this? What is your response? Because the very first thing that would have happened after, you know, if, if the story about Barnes, actually, instead of the name Barnes, the name were Clayfish, the, the very first thing would have been demanding a response from the governor. No one's demanded a response from the governor. How about a response from the governor? Actually, let me let me let me let me baby step the media into this. Maybe we should maybe we should take baby steps, Brian, because the first thing to do is to put the story in your flipping newspaper. Put the story on your television stations. How about that? Let's start there. Let's baby step it by first actually doing the story which is of statewide concern and the story's done <laughs> we're t- yeah and it's been it's been done for you you yeah. might have to actually put a hot link to the vice column you know but don't worry if you if you if you're if you've used your 10 articles from Milwaukee Journal Sentinel they make you pay to read it so i mean come on how about we for now now there have been a couple of, i mean i've done the story uh with politics um, but people don't typically consider WIS politics, you know, the news. It's a it's a political information uh, but, site. But, but WIS but politics did the story. Linking news. Yeah, and... they, yeah. So I, I want to give them credit because they did the story about the insane increase oh, yeah. in um in in the amount that Barnes is spending. But yeah. So first do the story. Then y'all got the numbers in your Rolodex. I'm using Rolodex. I'm using the finger quotes. The finger quotes. Quote unquote Rolodex. <laughs> Um, so call a governor, call the governor's spokesperson, call the governor's chief of staff, call someone and say, we'd like a comment. And you know what? If it were Scott Walker, he wouldn't even say no comment. He wouldn't blow you off. He'd give you a comment. And usually what would happen if there was some shenanigans going on, he'd be calling people into a room saying, what the heck are you guys doing? Because he wouldn't be say like, help because he never actually, minutes. he never actually used minor profanities. But what, what are you guys doing to me? You're, this is going to stop, and it would, and they, he'd put the kibosh on it. Yeah. So how about it? What do you think? Now, to, to what I said before, Brian, people have been charged with crimes for far, far less than this. Far less than this. Um, I, you, the first thing that jumps to mind, of course, is Kelly Reinfleisch. Kelly Reinfleisch was racked up on, get this, felony misconduct for public office felony misconduct for public office Mm -hmm. because she had when she was working in the county executive's office 
as a salaried employee, by the way, as a salaried employee in the county executive's uh, office right. in Milwaukee County when Governor Walker was then County Executive Walker, she had a consultancy business on the side. And instead of turning off the Wi-Fi on her phone, she would answer emails from her clients on her phone. Yeah. Yeah. When it was still connected to the county exec's Wi-Fi. That was actually some of the evidence presented to try to prove that she was a felon. No, no kidding. Darlene Wink didn't get charged with a felony, got charged with a criminal misdemeanor. When she, while she was working at the Milwaukee County Executive Office, posted on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's website in the comments section, comments favorable to County Executive Walker. So she got racked up on a, boss. <laughs> on a criminal misdemeanor for that. And, and, and that was, th- those were two prosecutions under the John Doe. Those two prosecutions under the John Doe. And we're supposed to rend our garments and clutch our pearls because Darlene Wink did what every single teacher was doing during Act 10 using, you know, .k12.wi.us emails to organize rallies. I mean, we're supposed to rend our garments when, when the mayor of Milwaukee's chief of staff was blogging on, the t- on, on company time. Because of what Kelly and and, uh, and Darlene supposedly did, that was so egregious. Oh my gosh, it was so. Mandela Barnes is using the state patrol as his personal chauffeur to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars, and we can't get anybody even interested in looking at the story, except Dan Bice in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Again, I will say this. To his credit, well, which they, I don't and, normally and, say. And a big megaphone, a print megaphone for him. It's the state's biggest newspaper and, and all that. But the, but the, the, the truth, that number one, it should be a bigger story. It should be a much bigger story. And the Wisconsin Ethics Commission should already be investigating it. Not, and not to mention, there should be a district attorney investigating whether there's a crime here. Yeah, and, and really, this could be solved in one second, as we were talking during the break, and and that is one of the adults in the governor's office picks up the phone and says, this is over. Done. It would be under Tommy Thompson. Under- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Scott Walker, under Scott McCallum. But under Tommy Thompson or Scott Walker. Right. Over. It'd be over, but the investigation, if it were under Tommy Thompson or Scott McCallum or Scott Walker, there still would have been an ethics investigation. There probably would have been a criminal investigation. And you know, every paper from the top of the state to, you know, the the very last square foot of Beloit would have been doing (laughs) stories on it, period. Oh, sure. Well, look at at the... You know, the flight thing with McCallum and with Governor McCallum and, and Governor Walker. You know, they went out and paid for umpty gazillion dollars worth of TV ads and radio ads about them flying around or whatever. And folks couldn't wait to cover that story. Not. It was just 
Gosh, it must be a slow news day because we're generating yet another version of the exact same story yeah. we put out yesterday about this. We'll take a quick break here, Brian. We'll be right back. All right, let's get to some Addison stuff here. I <laughs> see Maple Bluff is in the news. Yeah, they crime. Crime spree. Crime in Ma- ridden. In Maple Bluff. There's a reason, though. Story today about residents of Maple Bluff um, having a, a series of car break ins. The Bluffies are. The Bluffies. Bluffy burglaries. The Bluffy car burglaries. And so a featured story about that and also hitting Wanakee. Also hitting oh, the community of Wanakee. Um, not neither one of these two areas known for crime, right? Uh, I think no, it's accurate not. to say that Wanakee, <laughs> and I think Wanakee's not really known for crime. It's not so much that it's like it, it reflects, you know, it's sort of the same or similar um, demographics as Maple Bluff. Is that no, no. it's kind of out of the way? Wanakee, you have to kind of make an effort to get to Wanakee. Um, which again might make you know if Wanakee wants to be more easily connected to Madison, North Bypass would be great, hey? Yeah, that'd be fun. Right, the yeah, North right, Belt Line right, would right. be awesome to get to Wanakee. Um, but anyway, so but Wanakee's <laughs> got some problems now, which means crime has begun to travel and Maple well, Bluff. Yeah, Maple the Bluff is that you know there's more crime. Governor's Mansion, of course, is a Maple, in Maple Bluff. Bluff. I'm not saying that's where crime's occurring, but uh, but. Um, you know, we were talking earlier, I mean, it goes back to the principle of if you're going to go to jail, if you're going to rob a bank. If you're going to, ro- if you're going to, you know, crack into a car and steal stuff, crack into a car and steal stuff from people who've got cool stuff. And that's what they have in Maple Bluff. The average, the yeah. median income in Maple Bluff is $146,000. That that's okay. the median. I think yeah, the, yeah. the median house value is around $540,000. So, I mean, you can't live so we're not, it, and we're talking about people who voted 65% for Tony Evers in Maple Bluff. Um, well, so I'm wife. going to guess um, we didn't get a lot of bluffies, uh, you know, voting for Donald Trump. I didn't look that one up, yeah, but I'm going to guess up. that. And uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I'm not like, listen, I don't think anybody deserves to be victims of crime. And Maple Bluff, no, people, a lot of bluffy Maple Bluff and... people just realize that just because you're in a really nice secluded neighborhood doesn't mean that you can whistle past the graveyard on these law enforcement issues. Well, and uh, OK, so for the so, rest of us, for, well, the rest for, of us, for the rest of us, because names. now they want their police department. It's a village. Remember, they want their police department Correct. to start cracking down to try to, you know, rein that in. Well, welcome to the rest of Madison, Maple Bluff. You're you're ensconced in Madison, but you're not you're not technically Madison. Well, but the, welcome the to the area that surrounds you. Madison, yeah. Uh, welcome to Dane County. Welcome well, to the reality then, of other people who live in in, you know, $170,000 homes in on the north side of Madison. Well, the Bluff is, um, as you say, you know, surrounded by by Madison and those, and, and in some neighborhoods that let's just say are considerably less affluent than the Bluff. Let's uh, substantially. Substan- okay, substantially would be a more accurate word. I would say um, that if, surrounding there, your single family house is probably going for oh I don't know a fifth of what one would go for in Maple Bluff. But I'm it, listen. Whole apartment building. Sixty-five percent. Of Maple Bluff voted for Tony Evers. So yeah, their new neighbor. Yeah. So I'm guessing um, that 
you didn't have a huge contingent of people in Maple Bluff voting for Donald Trump. I'm going to guess that was that was Hillary country in Maple Bluff. So you're voting for the people and the things that have brought this problem to your door is my point. You're you're the the more Maple Bluff, which used to be known as kind of a GOP enclave way back in the day, like more than a decade ago. um, Now it's not. Now it's known as a wealthy liberal enclave. And you're get. This is what you That's want. That's a lot of catching up to do to Sherwood Hills, of course. Well, it's true. Which, which is, is what eighty five percent. They literally vote ten to one Democrat in Sherwood Hills, one of the wealthy, other than the Bluffies, one of the wealthier enclaves. And in they Dane don't County. want the crime and the crap in their neighborhood. Maple Bluff doesn't want it in their neighborhood. I'm certain Wanakee doesn't want it in their neighborhood. I'm thinking not. Uh, so, but you get what you you get what you. Subsidize. You get what you tolerate. You get what you don't fight. And 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 again. So now, what have we learned? What have we What have we learned here? We have learned that your nice, safe neighborhoods are not exempt. Your Correct. nice and 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 this should be a warning to everybody. If you think you live in a nice neighborhood and you know all your neighbors are nice and you know all your neighbors and all that, plenty of neighborhoods in Madison are exactly like yours. Plenty of neighborhoods in Dane oh, sure. County are exactly like that. And guess what? There are still these kinds of things happening in nice neighborhoods. I remember reading in the, in the, you know, on the west side, there's a little ensconced neighborhood. Um, it's got Valhalla. It's got you know, some of those streets. Really, you know, it's, it's you're getting toward, um, the, the, it's on the very far west side, southwest side of Madison. There was someone whose car was stolen from their garage. It's one of the nicest neighborhoods. I mean, in terms of safety, um, you know, uh, property value, uh, in terms of the, the area, the actual area, probably low on crime. Someone got their car stolen from their garage thinking, well, this is a nice neighborhood. I can trust this neighborhood. Crime is mobile. Well, crime the, is mobile. It, and it's very mobile. You've seen, well, first of all, the, the bluff is an island. And, so is uh, this little area on the west side of Madison, it's, it's kind of a little sure. island little, surrounded. Little island, a bluff. I like the Bluff Police Department. I think they do a good job. But they're an island. I mean, most of the crime they have to deal with, let's just say, isn't homegrown. Yeah, let's just say that's a guess on my part. Um, but the suburbs, saw it in the incident, Verona High School, right? Uh, Verona, Verona, Fitchburg, Monona, Sun Prairie, McFarland, Stoughton. Madison has, uh, well, I mean, we, we think about the bluff because the wealth, you know, it's, it's a lot different. The values are different. But every suburb around Madison has felt it and or is now feeling it. Uh, it's just the bluff's a little late to the party. Welcome to, the par- Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. What do you want to do about it? Welcome to the you party. Want to keep, you want to keep turning up. Too big a- for a gated community. Indeed. But this is, I mean, this is what progressives tend to delude themselves into thinking. That, 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 that you know, number one, wealthy progressives think it'll never happen to them because they typically put themselves no, no, in a position right. where it won't. Yeah. And in Maple Bluff, if you've, ever driven, living- if you've ever driven into Maple Bluff, first thing that's going to happen is if you don't have a decent car... Folks are going to eyeball you. Yeah, it's a little bucolic in terms of the... It's quite bucolic, and it's quite lovely, by the way. Oh, it's but fabulous. people will, if they don't recognize, you know, the car, if you got a bit of a beater, people are going to look at you. I remember <laughs> on the west side in that little area, in that little enclave I'm talking about, I had my old beater truck, my old Toyota beater truck, and I was looking for a street, and I was trying to cut through to get to the street, so I'm cutting through this neighborhood because I've never been there. 
turned down what turned out to be a private drive. Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. My goodness. I got pulled over. And they, I said, I'm... They said, are you the landscapers? Uh, they're like, what are you doing here? Well, I didn't stop at... I didn't stop. I didn't go slow enough over a cur or one of those uh, speed bumps, okay. uh, which was the pretense to, you know, to actually turn the lights on and pull me over. This was years ago, but you know, th- so this is the kind of area it is. It's nice, and, and yeah, it's beautiful. This is what you do, right? When you when you can when you can take yourself out of the hassle and the hell and the and the crap, you do it. Right. I mean, if I had the kind of money where I could buy a five hundred forty thousand dollar home. Do you think I'd buy a $540,000 home, you know, in the line of fire in a gang war? No. No. <laughs> no. Right, right. Do you th- so, well, so I don't blame you for doing it, but the progressives delude themselves into thinking it's everybody else's problem. And I am going to virtue signal my white privilege, and I am going to do nothing to fight what is eventually going to subsume that area because Madison is going to be subsumed by it and they're going to pretend it's everybody else's fault. Welcome to the party because if you're going to dump that stuff on everyone else, then then you ought to be able to take up your fair share. We exactly. should have we should have crime like progressive tax policy. Yeah, little redistribution. Pay your fair share. Little redistribution. Now that you're all about redistribution and all you progressives out there, I want to see low-income housing in Ma- on Mansion Hill. I want to see it down by Edgewater. I want to see it right up in b- abutting Maple, Maple Bluff. Yeah. I want to see Maple Bluff have to be forced to develop low-income housing. Well, remember what happened in Shorewood Hills with the old Pi R Square building. They wanted to make it. You know, actually not Section 8, right. but affordable housing for nurses that were going to work at UW Hospital. And Pyre Square isn't like in the middle of housing. Villa. Yeah, workforce, which would have been. Let's get to, who is it, Dan? Welcome to the program, Dan. You guys are great. Um, just more anecdotal evidence. Um, I, too, live in a, a very nice southwest side enclave uh, near Holiness Seminary. Um, 1 a.m., this past Monday night, um, my neighbors, a bunch of guys, uh, rolled in in a, in a car. They had a scanner. They opened up the uh, garage a foot and a half. They rolled underneath the door, went through the mudroom door, oh, stole the keys, stole two cars. <gasps> I paid. I, listen, I lived in the town of Middleton before this. Oh. I paid $420,000 for this house. Uh, it's got a for sale sign in front of it. Over my dead body, I'm going to live in a place like this. And I knew exactly where to go to find whoever it was that did it. And I don't, I'm not naming names or anything sure. like that. I wouldn't say it, but we all know where it is. And so, so you, well, where I, do you I, live? I swing down now? a tree Why lane myself. Where do, you, where do you live now? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Where did you say you live now, or basically? West side. Uh, nice place. So just just over near Holy Name Seminary. Okay. Pine Hill Farm. <laughs> this isn't the it's, new bishop, is no. it? <laughs> no, it wasn't I the hope new this bishop. Is not your no, 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 no. No, but the, to your point. So, so nice. Neighborhood, and, and listen, I do the same thing. If I, you know, if I wanted to spend four hundred twenty thousand dollars on a house, I sure as heck wouldn't buy it in the, in, you know, in, with the backyard uh, of crime. He's making right? not perfect a chance. sense. Not here. a chance. Not a chance. The that, school district is a dead duck, and now we got this going on. Yeah, and um, you know, I got neighbors. We're loaded for bear. So 
whatever. Well, yeah, I know what you, and I know what you mean by that as well. I know what you mean by that as well. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. So, so someone, so wait, wait, before you hang up, Dan, they're oh, using a scanner. Great. Thank you. Okay, they're using a scanner to open garage doors. Did I hear him right? A scanner to open garage doors. Or, or is that something that's a thing? You know, if you're a Madison police officer, please uh, explain that to me. So, is there are they able to actually, you know, get a garage door open? Yeah, uh, that scares me. That scares me. Actually, Vicky, if I may, with yeah. the technology and the end on a smartphone with those keyless things you can get on there, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I would imagine there's got to be a way to scan okay. with that that you could find the code. Oh, yeah. Great, no, it's super. Just... You know, you know how sorry I am. I actually left the city limits. Not at all. Not at all. Well, but... Because <clears throat> if I accidentally leave my garage door open where I live, if I accidentally leave my garage door open all day, you want to sure. know how much stuff is missing from it? Nothing. Not, right. a, not a screwdriver. Nothing. Right. That, it used to be that way in... I'm certain it used to be that way in Maple Bluff. I'm oh, certain yeah. it used to be that way in the neighborhood he's talking about. I'm certain no, he's right. there I'm... are plenty of neighborhoods in Madison where if you accidentally <laughs> left your garage door open 15 years ago, you could have probably trusted to come home and not had anything missing from your house. Well, and while people will say, well, time, you know, things change, things like that, we're in a county where, the, I mean, the interesting thing, one of the interesting things about this is there's a lot of wealth in this county. There is. There's there is because our, our median income, and I just looked this up because I looked at the median income for Maple Bluff, which is high. The median income for Dane County is also high. It is $63,000. That's about $10,000 more than the median income for Wisconsin. When you have the university here, you have state seat of state government, you have you know, Dane County government. I mean, you have a lot of state employees who make okay is not a thing about state employee salaries it's just they're doing all right just so you know upper middle income to lower upper class folks in dane county just so you know they tried the the progressives tried to confine their social experimentation to working class and middle class neighborhoods they've tried to but it, it won't it will not allow itself to be confined just so you know, crime no. has wheels. It's in, in oftentimes stolen wheels. Well, look at San Francisco. Look at uh, any number of towns out on the eastern seaboard, which we're now seeing a lot of stories about. And uh, this is where local public policy makes a difference. But we love singing Kumbaya around here, but the suburbs are paying for the mistakes. Well, and so are people who actually still live here in the city uh, proper. Also paying true, but I'm saying the suburbs. When I, in the north side neighborhood where I lived, where the average, I would guess the median home value on that side of town is probably around $160,000. Yeah, um, three months after I left was the announcement up the hill from where I lived, which is kind of, you know, about a 15% grade hill, was the announcement of $25 million in new subsidized housing. Three months after I left, I thought to myself, nick of time. We'll be right back. talk about the fact that another story and another place you don't typically think of the seepage is what I call it the seepage is um, a near campus apartment on the ninth floor ninth floor at the hub apartments the hub called the hub Um, on the ninth floor five people busted in 
to an apartment and oh, beat up the people inside the apartment. Oh, boy. On the ninth floor. Yeah. Wow. You got to go some distance to get to the ninth floor. But but as you know, you talk to folks in law enforcement or the judges, the DAs or whatever, and this is common now. This is not the exception of the rule all the time. I mean, I think some folks would like people to think it's always the exception, but it's not. There's quite a bit of this going on. We don't know, by the way, on this on this story here whether the you know somebody in the apartment was known to the thugs. Target. Yeah, we don't that. know that. It could have just been they were checking doors. Um, but five people in an armed robbery busted into a you know knocked on a door. Guy opens the door. Next thing you know, people inside the apartment are getting the crap beat out of them. They're being robbed. And then we get told, well, it was targeted, nothing for yeah, the public worry to worry about. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just like you folks in Maple Bluff, just lock your cars, nothing to worry about. You're good. You're fine. Continue bluffizing. <laughs> Continue bluffing. Um, everybody have a great weekend. See you on Monday. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.